Father, we just come to you. As we go through this season you have given us to sit at your feet, to continuously allow your spirit to pinpoint things that we have missed maybe in years, to get rid of. But in this journey that lies ahead, the darkest days probably humanity will ever see, where you yourself say those days were shortened. We need to see everything that is a stumbling block in us. And it's your word and your spirit that reveals it to us. It may be hidden from our own eyes after years of walking with you. This is a season you are calling the sons and daughters of Abraham to walk before you and to be blameless. So that the hour of your coming, our body and our soul and our spirit would be blameless before thee. So speak to us and show us, Lord. And let there be no offense in our hearts, because offense blocks the word of God. Cleanse us, sanctify us continuously through your word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we've been looking, I, I like I keep saying, please don't forget the primary purpose we are using this time, which God has given us. It is he's, he's showing us, as the Father shows his children, the stuff that uh, he wants to be removed from our lives. Even to do that, the power and the grace comes from him. But the minute we start tuning off, getting disinterested, it stops working because of that incredible nature of the free will which God has given us. He doesn't tamper with the free will. We have to choose each day. In the morning, Pastor Vijay was talking about um, the parable about the sower, the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold. And we also been looking at various ways in God talks about these three. We look, looked at the three realms, we looked at time, and in so many ways these three comes over and over, and we ourselves are divided into three and the visible part of that three is our body. We see this playing out in scripture and we need to be very, very careful about it because we also saw how God divides the believers into children, to young men, and to fathers. And it's not talking about age, physical age, but spiritual maturity. And the child is the one who is in extreme danger. Extreme danger is the child. The child man, as I want to call him, is very, very susceptible to the world of falling back and falling away. Because in the child man, the flesh is in control. The flesh is in control in the child man. So please remember, that's where we are studying in detail uh, the lives of different people. And uh, nights we've been looking at Joseph. Tonight we'll be not looking at Joseph, but the same format we will be continuing. Joseph, we saw why so much detail is given, because we are basically learning how to be an overcomer, like Pastor Vijay will say, and I will say, like in the classroom, if you find students who are not interested, we just pass over them. It's another Passover. We just, we just pass over them. 
Okay, we look look for kids who are interested. If they, we are not saying kids who are struggling, that's a different thing. They are interested, but struggling. We are always there. We are talking about kids who are not interested at all. So if you are not interested in the word of God, God will pass you over, because He gave you His Son. And now he has given you the word which he has is a representation of his son. And the spirit also looks for people who are interested in his son. That is the word of God. So we see Joseph going through these three stages before he can be qualified to reign at the right hand side of the father. He has to go through these stages. The father's house. Potiphar's house as a slave and the prison as a prisoner in chains. And he has to overcome each of these tests before his uproot of God to reign. He has to overcome all these stages. And all these represents different stages in a believer's life. Remember, release is in God's hand. So once again, we'll go to Psalm 105, verse 17 to 21 this time talking about Joseph, and then we skip over to the person we are studying tonight. Psalm 105, 17 onwards. Sorry, we went. Okay. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. We saw that. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of God was testing him. The king sent and released him. Once God says, it's done. Only God knows. Only he can release us from the different stages he puts us in. And the ruler of the people let him go free. And for the purpose, verse 21, he made him lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. That's what Jesus will also say. Well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into my joy, take charge. 10 cities, 20 cities, 100 cities, we do not know. Okay, he will give. And this is the whole purpose. So everything was for a purpose. And we don't see the purpose, we will not endure. So learn from Joseph and all the others. In Romans 15 and verse 4, 15 and verse 4, you know, and we saw that Continuously in different portions. But whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through patience and the comfort of scriptures might hope. One of the purpose we study all this is see, one of the most important things a believer will have to survive the last days or his own days, whichever a generation caught in and come out victorious is you need patience or endurance. And now we will use the word endurance. We will need that. And that is the study of scriptures. We look at all this life and you will see one consistent thing in every overcomer's life that he endured. He endured. And if you see anybody who did not, however wonderful he was, like Isaac, if he actually just fades away in history, is because he did not endure. Endurance is an incredible mark in an overcomer's life. We have to endure. So if the lockdown goes on till May 1st, we'll be preaching four hours a day till May 1st. Will you endure? Will you endure? Are you being able to be? I mean, it's not listening to the two hours. In that two hours, if your spirit is sensitive, God will be telling you something 
that needs to be put right. And you have to endure that two hours to get that one point. That is the key. Okay, one point he may be telling you. But what is that you take away with it is that is what the spirit is. And it is so simple for God to give you that one point and go away, right? But he won't do that. Because then you will never develop. You will never ever develop. Because we have to endure through it all. Because these are all characters of kings to rule in eternity. It's the most important part of a makeup. And one of the first things about child Christians, a child, is they don't have endurance. We don't have endurance. So before Joseph has to reign, it has to be built into him. Like I said, nobody becomes, nobody is born an overcomer. Spoken over us, we have to become one. So in his father's house, he was given a coat of many, many colors. Okay, we saw that in Genesis 37.3. It's a token of being the 30-fold winner. He won at the 30-fold level as a child. And he's getting a coat of of a winner as a child. And what is the characteristic of a godly 30-fold child who is one? Romans 16, 19 says, be excellent in what is good and be innocent of evil. That That is the whole thing. Okay, You will see he passes the purity test as a child. In what is good, he is excellent. But what is evil, he is innocent. So he passes the purity test. That is the coat of many colors which God is giving to him through his father. And that is what the brothers hate because they don't have that quality. They don't have. That's why scripture says we are the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing and death to, to, I mean, death to those who are perishing and life to those who are being saved. Okay, that's the difference. They hate him because they don't have that. Okay. Somebody asked this question in one of the WhatsApp questions. Some of the questions, answers, you'll get it during the messages itself. Okay, what does, how does Joseph's coat of many colors apply to Jesus Christ? Because we are basically studying the life of Jesus Christ. It's basically passing the test of purity. That coat of many colors represents purity. Proof. Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 18. Okay. David's daughter Tamar was raped by her half-brother. And when she leaves, now she had a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters wore such an apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. And if you look at verse 19, she will go out and take it off. Tamar put ashes on her head, tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. She had lost her purity. Joseph had not lost his purity. He came through. So he's given a coat of many colors. And if you look at verse 21 of that same chapter, when the king heard of all these things, he was very angry. When our king knows his children are not concerned about the purity, he is very angry. Okay, He gets upset. Be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as your father is heaven. He's 
positionally declared we are righteous, brought us into the outer courts, and he says, be pure, be pure, follow these things, follow these things, and when we are not concerned about it, our king too gets upset, okay? So God in his sovereignty will have to literally praise Joseph from the company of his brothers. Okay, because sometimes your family is wicked. They are the worst influence that can be upon you. So he has to take him out and take him to the next realm to be tested. The next realm for 13 years is going to be tested as a young man. Okay, he has to fight another level. So the first stage, like I said, children is where most of the church is stuck. And most of the ministers are concentrated in that area. And that's why we see much of the church, if you look at, we're not saying all big churches, but most of the big churches are child man churches and ministers are focusing on that. And we have to focus on the children. Their needs have to be taken, but we cannot keep them there. The only issue I have with them is the way they minister to children and keep them children all their life. But like I said, it's the most dangerous stage of a believer, child stage. And falling away happens here. That's why I said these 20 days, 30 days, lock up, 40 days, 50 days, lock up in the world is very dangerous for those who are children. This is the age, it's time they could fall away. And the Bible talks of a great falling away in the last days could be happening even at this time we are looking because they do not have the, the endurance, the patience to come through this and hold on. They are looking at all this and saying, what is happening? Okay, Children do not have the endurance, so pray for them. <clears throat> so in the history of Israel, we will look from the lessons about a child, what we need to identify the child man in us and get rid of it. You have in Israel's history, technically, only three kings. After that, the kingdom is divided. So Israel, undivided Israel, had only three kings. Saul, David, and Solomon. And if you look at it, each of them had 40 years. 40, 40, 40. 120 years of Israel. Three kings. Reign is divided roughly into 40 years each. Three is the number of completion. Here a God, Lord your God is one, but there are threes number of completion and 40 is 40 years is the time god gives you for trials chastisement in a life to come through 40 years so israel was given 40 years in the wilderness okay so each of them are given 40 years that's how he deals these are all like spiritual numbers okay but so that symbol so that we understand so we have saul david and solomon and they all represent different things in the kingdom. Spiritually, don't say it is 100% matching, but these are lessons. Saul represents the child. David represents the young man. And Solomon, until he falls away, is the spirit-filled, all-wise builder of the house. Okay, Rama, Hebrews 3 will talk about Jesus as the builder of the house. In the Old Covenant, Solomon is the builder of the house. Saul built his house. David gathered the materials for God's house and Solomon built the house. Okay, that's how it, that's, that is how it happens. Saul never won his battles. David won all his battles. So Solomon had peace to build. 
Okay, that's how it works. The young man fights, battles, and he overcomes the enemy. The father has peace. Because he's already won it and he is walking in peace. Okay, so this is how the child is forever fighting his or her own flesh. So we have to look at these and learn, okay, because nobody has reached any point. In the father also there is a child hidden. That's why the secular person will say the child is the father of man. Okay, so it's always there. It's a constant battle, okay. So Saul's life represents those who fail to overcome their flesh nature, the old man, the carnal man. If you look at Saul, we notice we know very little of Saul's beginning, his birth, place, actually like how old he was really when he died. We don't know much details about Saul. And we also know it was not God's desire that Israel should be ruled by a king. But it was Israel fleshly Israel, which demanded a king. Why? To be like the other nation. So we go to First Samuel chapter, we'll go a lot through First Samuel today, okay? First Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 to 20. And we go through this, identify the flesh in each one of us. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. That is the voice of God, speaking through anointed, spiritual servant. And they said, no. But we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That's how it begins. No, we want a king over us like other nations. We want to be like other nations. And you will see a lot of churches are like the world. Because the people say, we want to be like the world. And of course they will say it is just to attract the world into the church. Okay. And ultimately, there is no difference between the world and the church. And their pastors also, if you look at them, they also look, talk, dress, act like the world. Okay? Let's look at it. This, this is why these things are important. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are not of the world. We are not of the world. So God will sometimes do drastic things. When you know, Judaism, that is God's people and God's faith has been taken over completely by one set of people where the testimony of God is completely lost. So when he has to send a man to speak the word, he has to dress him exactly the opposite way. That is John the Baptist coming in. That nobody will ever mistake that he is part of the other system. Okay. Radically he's changed, dressed. Okay, so we have to get these things. Saul, the name Saul means requested or desire. And Kish means snare. Saul, the son of Kish. And we don't realize the desires of our flesh is our trap, our snare. Our snare. And Israel doesn't know for 40 years they are going to be snared. In Psalm 124 and verse 7, if I am right, Psalm 124 and verse 7. 
they will have to wait 47 years for this to happen our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers the snare is broken and we have escaped because another 7 years after his death will it take before all israel will accept david as king so 47 years their one desire to god we want a king they will go into a snare and their soul is snared that's what we need to realize this is all about the soul the flesh rules the soul is a prisoner okay soul is a prisoner but if the soul is free like joseph for 13 years his soul is free you can do whatever to his body put him in chains cut him down take his freedom of movement put him in a cell but he's a free man his soul is free in this case an entire nation is snared by the flesh okay so this is the trap the church will be caught in remember in the last days god's desire is that we are separated from the world and sold out set of people but in the last days laodicea will be there and laodicea is where flesh is king okay flesh is king and if you look at there some uh, sorry first samuel 8 and uh, verse 20 What did the people want? The people wanted a king to fight our battles. Okay, and that's what the churches do. They hire pastors to fight their battles. Okay, they hire them. They will outsource all their spiritual responsibility to their pastors and they won't do anything. First Samuel chapter 8 and verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, "Heed the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them." See, that's what if we have an idol in our heart and we cry out to God, God will answer us according to the idol in their hearts. God said, "They are not rejected. You don't get upset. It's not about you. It's not about you. This is about me. They are not rejecting you." No servants of God. If they know you are preaching the absolute true word of God, and people don't accept you, don't get upset. They are not rejecting you. This didn't start yesterday or today. This started from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. They rejected God's voice. When they listened another voice, they were rejecting God's voice. And from this that day till today, flesh will reject God's voice. And we ourselves sometimes reject God's voice. So we have to be very careful about it. He says, "You don't worry." Don't get upset Samuel because they rejected your voice that doesn't mean you are a failure <laughs> you are very successful they are rejecting me not you so god gave them israel a king according to their desire okay for samuel 9 and verse 2 the king god will give them according to the idol in their heart he had a choice and handsome son whose name was saul there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of israel from his shoulder upward he was taller than any it's not it's 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 nothing wrong to be tall and handsome joseph also was tall and handsome okay it's absolutely nothing wrong okay, the problem he was tall and handsome that's why potiphar's wife came but she didn't know what was a man inside okay you out even david was handsome okay david also as it says he was red ready and handsome he was handsome. but he had substance inside the problem with this fellow is tall and handsome and empty so was absolute tall handsome and empty 
That's the problem. So these people were empty. So God gave them an empty person. There was not more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any. That is what they want. And often churches also go that way. They prefer or opt for charisma, outward charisma over anointing. See, anointing that breaks the yoke. Anointing that. That's why Paul will always talk about, no, I will not come with charisma. Though I believe. There's nothing to say he was not a charismatic preacher. But he says, I will lean on the anointing more than charisma. Here, people want charisma more than anoint. And the first time, <clears throat> note this, when we see Saul, is when his father had lost some of his donkeys in verse 9 and 3. Third. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. That is where we are introduced to future king Saul. Okay? If you know, the donkey in the Bible is a self-willed, stubborn animal. Okay? self And we are introduced to the first king of Israel as a donkey keeper. Searching for donkeys. We are introduced to David, the second king, as the keeper of sheep. Okay, so these things are there. <coughs> so Saul was looking for these donkeys when he will encounter the prophet. We're looking, 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 looking for the donkey when he will run into the prophet. In verse 20, he will run into the prophet. For as your donkeys that were lost these three days, three days ago, do not be anxious about them. They have been found. Okay. When we actually meet the prophetic voice in our life, the wild nature in us will be discovered. The wild nature, the donkey, stubborn nature, the prophetic voice will always discover in us. And that is what pricks us in that message. The wild donkey has been discovered. He has been searching for the donkeys for three days. And on the third day, prophet says, it's been found. The wild donkey has been found, discovered. Thank okay. And Samuel says, but you are one of the chosen and on whom is all the desire of Israel? He doesn't say Israel's God. You are the desire of Israel. Is it not on you? Verse 21. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjaminite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family the least? Why then do you speak to me like this? Okay, so we need to realize that even when a man of flesh is picked by God, he picks him because he sees nothing in him. Okay. You may be tall and handsome as a people's desire, but God actually sees nothing in any one of us. Everything is an act of grace and mercy alone. So please remember, everything in the Bible is symbolically three days. At the end of three days, every donkey will be discovered. God will only have sheep. Okay. So that's how we are introduced to Saul. The stubborn, self-willed, tall, handsome man. <clears throat> 
and you will see many tall and handsome tall and beautiful people actors actresses all of them you look them and everybody wants to be like them with or realize they are most they are some of the most self-centered <laughs> shallow <laughs> people you will ever meet in life chapter 10 and verse 1 the journey begins so we will identify flesh as we go samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head okay now if you notice if like kids sitting here and those of our own church have heard these teachings before but each one of their anointings were different Saul's anointing was different. David's anointing was different. Solomon's was different. David was anointed three times. Okay. <coughs> Saul's anointing is from a flask of oil, something like this. David was anointed from the horn, signifying power and authority. And Solomon was anointed with the horn, which was taken from the holy place. Okay. So, if you notice, this is what we call the thirty-fold anointing. This anointing is given to a child basically to overcome the child nature, the carnal nature, the flesh nature. So he's received. I mean, at that level, we need only that. We only need that. But if we use that anointing to overcome that flesh nature, then we move into the next level. We'll receive the anointing for that. The anointing has to keep on increasing. Be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-day thing. Okay. and this matters because as we move further we need more anointing to mature okay this anointing is given when we come into the kingdom of god to mature and move further so this is basically the anointing you get when you get saved at the outer courts remember the outer courts the holy place the most holy place outer courts has one gate holy place has one door most holy place has a veil in the old covenant and gate is the way to the outer court so matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 makes it very clear about the gate straight is the gate enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are very few who find it so we come through this gate when we come to that gate we are given an anointing by god basically for what not for ministry this is to overcome the flesh nature we may do ministry we may do many things but the whole focus used to be see that we bring the flesh to subjection if you know your pattern in the old covenant in the outer courts there was only two things one was a laver like a huge basin full of water a bronze laver and a bronze altar bronze in the bible both signify judgment judgment remember so in the outer courts the major work in the outer courts or of a new young believer should be judgment of self that is a work that should be done that is the first and the most important work that we have to do if any man judges himself he himself will not be judged and corinthian church is an absolutely child church 
full of carnal believers and they are being told, judge, 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 you are not judging, therefore you are weak, you are uh, ill and you are asleep because you are not judging. Okay? In Revelation chapter 15, 1.15 and then later when 17.1.15 when John the Apostle in his old age, his first Look at Jesus. He's a picture of judgment. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. This old man, when he was young, who had leaned on Jesus and love, 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 all that he talks, you know what happens in verse 17? Scripture says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Meaning, when you see Jesus... As the judge, everybody will fall at his feet. Doesn't matter how long you have long. He's the last surviving old father. Remember at the white bimat, sorry, the judgment seat of Christ, everything flees away from his face because it is bronze. It is bronze. It is judgment. And when everything is a standstill in your life, like today in the world, everything in the world is in a standstill. Literally, what does it mean in the old covenant? Your heavens have become brass. It is judgment. Heavens have become brass. God says, I have shut down everything. Get on your knees and repent. You don't have much time left. Heavens have become brass. Okay, So understand how metal signifies no, gold is for purity, silver is for redemption, and brass is for judgment. So at the 30% is where we have to have that outer courts, that 30% realm, or 30-fold we bring is where we deal with the flesh at the labor and at the altar. The labor is First Peter 3.21. That is what we constantly die in our baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is the death of yourself, where you go in one, but after that you have to constantly, every day, reckon yourself dead. It's also an antitype which now saves us baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ constantly. It's a type, the labor, constantly cleansing our conscience because the Holy Spirit speaks there. And Hebrews, sorry, Romans 12 and 1 is the outer court's altar. Offer your body. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies every day as a living sacrifice. Living in the light of your baptism every day and offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reason. This is what the 30-fold realm does. The outer court ministry is to offer yourself constantly over and over. Do not let flesh Rain. Do not let, because if you, if you allow flesh, it is a snare. You will end up like Saul ended. Saul ended. Saul, the son of Kish. Right? The desire of the flesh will snare you. And ultimately, what is, what will happen? What is the end of Saul? He will fall upon his own sword and die. What he should have done in the beginning spiritually, instead of putting his flesh to death, ultimately his flesh will put him to death. He will die on his sword. He should have died on the sword of the word every day. Instead, the sword will kill him another day. 
So God is warning us and showing us through all these people. That's why some people in the Bible, there is so much detail given. Like you will say, hey, so he was a failure, Saul. So why is so much detail about Saul given to teach us? To teach us. Okay. Samson was a failure. Why? To teach us. Teach us. God has given great details of some terrible failures. To teach us. Great details of certain incredible successful people to teach us. Okay? Like, New Covenant, New Testament, when we read, we won't see Isaiah and Jeremiah or any of the minor prophets mentioned at all. But Balaam is mentioned three times. There is no book of Balaam in the Bible. But he's mentioned three times. And connected with the last days. Why? Be careful about that doctrine. Be careful about that fellow. Be careful. So you have to be very careful. Why so much detail about this man given is to warn us upon whom the end of ages has come that any man thinks that he stands. Let him take heed lest he fall. So we are called to deal. Deal. With this, because remember, in the new covenant, it is not like the old covenant. We don't have any visible labor or altar or table of shoe. Nothing is there. Even the oil has been torn. Everything is removed. So we have to go through this spiritually. God says, come boldly, confidently through the throne room. Don't run. Still spiritually, remember, you have to go through this to reach there. To reach there is there. You have to go through. I will tell you one of the things, because Peter is sitting here, worship leader is sitting there, other worship leaders may be listening, I'll tell you. Why do people struggle to worship? Because to actually worship, you need to touch your spirit. To touch your spirit, first your flesh has to die. And then your soul also has to be absolutely tuned with the spirit. But what happened, that is why uh, Sunday morning, people don't come prepared like that. You have only 30 minutes to worship. Those who prepared and come in one minute, they are able to cut through and worship. But those who didn't come, by the time worship is over, they are starting to reach their soul. By the time worship is over. So, because you've been feeding your flesh the whole of Saturday. You come Sunday morning. What is worshipping? Your flesh is worshipping. The worship of the flesh is not accepted by God. Only worship that is accepted is the worship of the Spirit. And to cut through the flesh and the soul to reach the spirit, God is looking for a set of people who will worship him in spirit. The flesh has to die. And you cannot come at uh, 9 o'clock service at 8.55 and expect by 9 o'clock flesh is dead. You should have started that work through the week. Constantly working. And then Saturday evening you're working to see that your mind, your soul, your body is Everything, body is dead and you're focusing God. And then you come to church and you realize it. And then everything falls into place. Much of worship that happens is there's nothing wrong. So these are practical. And I will tell you, what is the struggle everybody is facing around the world? I'm talking about Christians. Others, it's different. What is the actual struggle during this lockdown? 23 days now? Yeah? What is the actual issue believers are facing? You know, only one thing. The presence of God. They see their trouble with different eyes. But actually the problem is only one. If God is with you, and you know God is with you, then there is no trouble. 
If God is not with you, then everything troubles you. And how do you enter into the presence of God? Only one way. It's in the spirit. It's in the spirit. Okay? So remember, the flesh. Flesh is our enemy, not our friend. The flesh contends with the spirit. The spirit contends with the flesh. And the anointing is given to kill the flesh, not to feed the flesh. First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 22. We are looking at the symptoms of the flesh now. Flesh has many symptoms we can identify. So, found, found, found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further and has, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there is he hidden among the equipment. Remember? He met one on one Samuel. Samuel pointed him. He ate with him. The best chicken leg was kept for him. He ate that also. He was anointed. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, gave him a new heart. He pro- oh, after all that, where is he? Hiding. One of the signs of the flesh is it. It will shirk spiritual responsibility. Watch out for that. It will shirk responsibility. One of the signs of the spirit, of the flesh, shirk, it will try to avoid God-given spiritual responsibility. Contrast this with Joseph in his father's house, in Potiphar's house, or in the prison. He's an incredibly responsible person. You know. We have all different responsibilities, like we have responsibilities as Father, especially if you have children who are small, as a father, you have responsibility as a husband, you have responsibility as an employee, you have different responsibility. And one of the natures of the flesh is, it shirks responsibility. If you are a student, you have responsibility as, even during lockdown time, your responsibility as a student hasn't changed. Okay, so we have responsibilities and one of the natures of the flesh is, it avoids responsibilities. Flesh seeks recognition, but avoids responsibility. Okay, be careful. In 10 verse 9, God has done his part. Right? So it was when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Yeah, God gave him another heart. See, Philippians 2, uh, uh, 12 and 13 will say, work out your uh, um, salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, okay. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And verse 13 will say, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do. This is what it says. God works in us. We work it out. God works in us. So God has given him a new heart. And God has given him an anointing. Now he has to work it out. But when it comes to work it out, he's hiding. He's hiding. You can't blame God. <laughs> you can't blame God. Everybody who is coming to the kingdom of God has received the Holy Spirit. That is the first promise. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit of God has been given in us. Our job is to work it out. Work it out. And what is the first sign of the fleshly man? He avoids responsibility. Avoids responsibility. If you go towards 10, 27, after he's picked up and he leads and he wins the battle, or when he's chosen, there is one set of people. Actually, KJV will use the term Belial. 
The sons of Belial, if I'm right, okay? The children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought no presents, but he held his peace. Even when flesh is anointed, there will be a set of people who are the sons of the devil, who will not even accept that man. The most worldly carnal preacher, think about it, let it be, let it be joy Austin. Even him, the sons of Belial won't accept. He can look exactly, act and talk and dress and live exactly what they want. Still, the sons of Belial won't accept him also. So God will use them also. One said, all the sons of Belial come over here. Here, Joel and Joseph, both are here. One is Prince, one is Austin. Both stand up there, east and west. I gave them to you. This is what you all wanted. But even their word you did not receive. The sons of Belial. Understand that. Okay, this is God. I mean, these people are God's instrument of mercy. Okay, instruments of mercy. That's why they will have 5 million hits and 20 million hits and all, because the children will only listen to them. But the sons of Belial won't even listen to them. Understand through all this how strong the flesh is. Okay? So if you look at Saul's initial history, initial beginning, first year and all, he fought many battles in the beginning and he wins. And so it is with baby Christians. God gives them quick answers to prayers. So they all have testimony. I want a testimony. I want to testify. testify. And the testimonies are very cute. Very cute testimonies they will have. Some will be testimony about, I hear so many, I lost my safety pin. I asked God, God showed me. I said, that's also a cute testimony. You know? Because we have an English needle in a haystack. No, who can find? God will show the needle in the haystack. So every kind of testimony the children will have. And they're very cute to hear because God gives you victory in the beginning. Lots of them. And they give God glory also, okay? First Samuel chapter 11, 12 and 13. Okay? The people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Samuel shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put to death. Paul said, not a man will be put to death this day. For today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. So you will see that, no? He begins, he gets incredible victory and they said the son, children of Belial, no, sons of Belial, let's finish them off. He says, no, 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 we don't have to do all that. Okay. So even at the child level, the testimony of God is there. We'll avoid First Samuel 12 because that is Samuel's farewell speech. It's not about Saul, it is about Samuel. But remember what Jesus said. Yesterday we looked. If you are my disciples, if you continue in the word. That is the struggle children face. They cannot continue in the word. They can only drink milk all their life. They cannot drink meat. The writer of Hebrews will say, leaving the elementary teachings, let us go on to maturity. And I am telling you, even the people who are listening today, if you were to ask them the six elementary teaching, have you crossed it? Repentance from Deeds that lead to death, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, doctrine of baptisms itself, many, many pastors have been crossed. Baptism of John, the baptism of Jesus Christ, the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are so many baptism doctrine of 
baptisms. Laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Have you crossed that and moved on to maturity? And the fact of the matter is probably 90-95% or more of the church haven't even crossed that. And that is a child. That is a child. God says you need to continue. Think of my disciples. And all this stuff, this sick stuff, is supposedly milk. It's not meat. It is milk. It's not meat. In the Bible itself, like we know the term, the NIV will use the term elementary principles. And we know what elementary school is. Elementary school, middle school, high school. Then senior secondary, higher secondary and all. Elementary. Elementary. Okay, so we have to understand the danger in which people realize. I mean, look at it in the natural. If you just pass elementary school and you are 22 years old, what job will you get? What job do you aspire in this world if you only pass elementary school? You have a certificate. What does it say? Class 5 fail. What do you expect? Hardly any job, right? Yet people who have not crossed elementary school in God's kingdom is expecting to reign there. So God says, if my kingdom standards is lower than the whole world, <laughs> he says, what do you think about my kingdom? Your certificate, class 5 fail, will not get you a job on earth. But class 4 fail, in the kingdom of God, you are expecting to be a king. The son of a king. When people, children hear, they all get upset and they get mad. Hmm? Because this is entitlement mentality, you know. Children think entitlement mentality, you know. So remember, you have to continue in this. If you come to First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 1. First Samuel chapter 13 is a translation, it's a little difficult, but this is the correct translation. Saul reigned one year and when he had reigned two years over Israel. Okay? To us. So God is talking about in the Bible the third year. The tree, Israel, everything. Third year he will come to check. Have you crossed? Have you started bearing anything? You should have crossed your childhood in the kingdom of God by the third year. Okay? So here is see one year and two years. The problem is, we were given an anointing. The problem is, the child thinks, the anointing is your birthright. You earned it. And you stop depending upon God. The verse 2 says, He chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. For himself. The flesh starts Showing off for himself. Okay? If you look at the next man, which you look another day, maybe tomorrow, another man had to run, hide, and 600, first 400, then 200 of the 3Ds, right? The depressed, the dejected who were in debt, these gathered around him. And these three categories, he made them into mighty men. Here he chose for himself 3,000 men. There were hundreds of thousands of there in Judah, the whole Israel. But I am sure he picked 3,000 who were like him, tall and handsome. Okay? 
In Galatians 3.3, Bible says, Having started in the Spirit, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? That's what Saul is doing. That's where he's going. Okay, you have to be very, very, very careful. Very careful. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13, 3 and 4. Yeah, one year, two years. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistine that was in Geba and Philistine sort of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land saying, let the Hebrews hear. Verse 4. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines. Okay. That is how people begin their ministries. They just come out of a Bible school. They hire a hall. Everything can be hired today. Hire a hall. Hire the instruments. Hire a worship team. And they're professional worship people. They go from church to church to church. It's a salary for them. Like they go from place to place to this. They hire everything. Hire some people also. And they put up posters and banners everywhere. And they begin. They begin. Without realizing this is a battle. This is a battle. This is not a joke. Ministry is not a joke. It's a battle. This is a spiritual life. It's a battle. And that's what God is showing us through physical pictures in the Old Testament, what happens in the New Covenant. And he is blowing his own trumpet. Okay, Paul plants, Apollos waters, God gives the increase. Therefore, the one who plants or the one who waters is nothing. So you have to be very, very careful. We are planting, we are watering, we are nothing. God is everything. But here, Saul becomes everything. 1 Samuel 13 and verse 5. Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. Okay, You blew your trumpet and the enemy came. Okay. This is realm too. This is what happens. God had said, you are not fighting flesh and blood. You are fighting powers of darkness, spiritual principalities, powers of darkness, rulers of this thing. People jump into ministry and then they have no clue what hit them. They come in their hordes. Tens and thousands of them are released. And you think this is like all uh, what you call posters and pamphlets. You don't realize what is happening. They come because it's a challenge to them. You blow your trumpet and God allows them to come. But if you have come through the proper way with God, then you can stand alone like Elijah. It doesn't matter. (laughs) There is no flesh there. There is no flesh there. Let them come in their tens and hundreds and thousands. It is okay. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I know very, very clearly God is for me. The spiritual man knows because he was sent. He didn't just go. Okay, This man blew the trumpet, gathered Israel, and all of them came. That is enemy's response. And what is people's response in verse 6? When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, the people were distressed. Before you know the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. That some of them crossed Jordan and went to the other side also. Did you realize the taste of victory is all gone? All your earlier victories are worth nothing now. Everybody is gone. 
Everybody is gone. No, it's gone. And this is the danger. This is the danger. Because you are not. I'm talking about today. We are just talking about a real war. You are never spiritually prepared to fight these battles. Battles are won in your prayer closet. Battles are won in prayer and in word. That is what the apostles realize in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. When there are issues in the church, they realize, you know what? Every issue is a spiritual issue. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is the only way the battle can be won. This is not show. This is not show. If this was outward was real, every church in the world has fasting and prayer. Nothing happens. They have Bible study. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Form? No substance. Form with no substance. If you have substance and you know exactly that God is the one who is leading you, He is asking you to do. How did we reach 195 countries? How did we reach? That nobody has to know. Nobody has to know because we don't want attention at all because this is a different battle altogether. We are not fighting for man's approval or glory. We are fighting for God's purpose and His glory. So man does not even have to know. That day let it be revealed. And God will say, oh, you reach 195. Okay, you are one of the smallest because there are others who reached more in lesser time. Imagine one of those 7,000 had stood up and said, Lord, I am the only one. He said, keep quiet. You are only one among six, 7,000. And then there is 100 in that cave which Obadiah has hidden. And then there is one man who is standing alone whom the whole kingdom is looking for. So we may be even one of those smaller groups among which God is actually using. We don't even know. So it is better to keep quiet and not advertise yourself because you don't want to be put to shame there. Now we blow our trumpet. Pe, 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 pe. I had the biggest church and God comes and says in your entire church of 50,000 people only two were saved. You sit down there quietly. You know. So we don't want any of these things because at that day, let there be a revelation. And that is true revelation. Because you blow your trumpet, the Philistines will come. And they will come with all their armor, armor division and every this thing, tank and battalion, everything will come. And they are there. Horsemen are there, chariots are there, footmen are there. And you have, suddenly all your people have disappeared. No? And verse 8 says, verse 8 says, and he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. You see, suddenly he's searching Samuel. Now he's searching the spiritual. This is the problem with the flesh. People who are children. At the last resort is God. Because they think they can handle it all. Without really the spiritual man, first resort is God. The carnal man, last resort is God. Okay. Now you have created all this hangama and all the enemy has come and surrounded Israel. Most of your people have disappeared and you are looking for the spiritual. You are calling and the poor old man has to be woken up. He are retired. Okay. Now we are going sitting with that old retired pastor and say, Pastor, I started my ministry. Pastor, everything is collapsed. Pastor, please give me some tips. He said, why didn't you come to me earlier? I would have helped you through this, no? I told you, no? 
And some of them have come get upset with me because I tell I tell them, brother, tell me. He started his church, you know, Pastor, I want to get some tips from you. Come, could they come meet? I said, okay, how many people do you have? Four or five. I said, why do you need a hall? Right? They can come and meet in your house, right? You know, so how, what is your format already? You no, know, I hired a hall and I got a sound system. I said, for five people, do you need a sound system? Do you really need a sound system? Do you really need to hire? See, the problem is, once you have this format into your place, then where is the resources going to come? Where is the resources going to come? How is it going to happen? No. And they get very upset. Because this is the format of flesh. This is not the format of spirit. This is the format of flesh. And the enemy has come. So one of the signs of the flesh, remember, okay? One is you avoid responsibility. Second, you have this wanting glory, sign of immaturity, okay? And third, God is not your first option. God is your final, last option. Trouble comes, last option, you go to God. By the time you are at the divorce court, you didn't go to God and you don't go to godly counsel at the beginning of your marriage. And trouble was starting. You thought you could handle it. And I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. You never went to God in the beginning. Okay, I'm talking about practically how people handle it. You think you can handle it. And God says, it's nothing. This is a child. A child should go to the father. A child should. You know? And that's the first thing we see about Joseph. There is an issue that he goes straight to his father. No? Did he try to argue with his brothers and correct them or anything? This is not my problem. Let me take it to my dad. He can handle it. Let him handle it whichever way. And that's how he is introduced to us. Words 7 and 8. Okay. We saw that. The people scattered. The rest are. People are filled with. Look at that. All the people are following him. Hum, hum, trembling. It's not an anointing that's making them tremble. It is fear. Confidence is gone. No? Confidence is gone. That is what will happen. Faith will be replaced by fear. The problem is, faith will, fear will also cause you to do rash things. That's the problem with fear. That's what's what you see in verse 9. Seven days. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering, peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. You know how the flesh is taking you steps? Okay. I should try all kind of things. Fear will cause you to uh, act presumptuously. You don't have the patience, the endurance to wait. That's one of the things that has to be built in. God has his time. You will do. He will do things only in God. God will do things only in his time. He makes all things beautiful in. Even for Joseph, who we think Joseph should have been promoted years ago. God says, no, I know. It's not ready yet. God has no issue with time because it's outside time. You see in the end from the beginning with Moses. Remember, Israel is groaning, crying. God says, wait. But why should we wait? Because the man of God is not ready. I'm waiting for him to get ready. How long? I'll wait. 40 years. 40 years. Joseph, Jacob is groaning under his father-in-law's yoke. He's waiting. 20 years. Wait. When Joseph is born, God says, okay, now you are ready. You are ready. Okay. Time to leave. So God will wait. This man, problem with children, they don't wait. 
And they do rash things. Because God will come only at the appointed time. Scripture says, it now it happened. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. Samuel came. In verse 11, Samuel said, what have you done? What have you done? What is that you have done? You did something which you are not supposed to do. One of the things about a child is the child doesn't know what he should do and what he shouldn't do. So one of the signs of maturity is a mature person knows what he shouldn't do and what he should do. Who are you? His answer is, this is who I am not. And this is who I am. I am not going to do what I am not called to do. Like I said, I don't do evangelism. No, I don't do it. Why? It was told, don't do it. That's not your call. But I said, when they say, you don't do, no. Even last whole year, Cruz, I said, I'm not coming. You will not get me for that. Why, Pastor? I said, because he said so. You're called to strengthen believers and not for unbelievers. I said, if you want me to have a seminar on evangelism, I can do that. Get me a hundred evangelists and I will teach them how to do evangelism. Will I do evangelism? No, I will not do that. Why? Because he told me, your call is this. Your call is only one I did. And still I have in the house as a memorial of my disobedience, a huge poster with my picture on it. Okay, one. Okay, and how he rebuked me even in first, he allowed me to finish that three days. But all three days I got nicely rebuked me. And then the first night when I came back, he rebuked me because the night morning was pastor's conference and evening was crusade. Two of us were there. But evening, what happened was like a VIP show. All those people were there. Around eight or 9,000 people were there. And they, you know how people are crusaded. They all want prayer for healing. And so this thing. No? So after he prayed for somebody, suddenly the sumo will come. And like security, they will put it us and take it to the hotel. This thing and all. No? That night, he said, they are my people. They are not coming to you. They are coming to me. Okay, he said. Tomorrow night, you will, you and your team will pray over everyone. So next day I said, nobody is going. And we will divide ourselves into, if we don't have enough people, let everybody in the team stand and we will pray over the last one. We'll pray over the last one. So next night, no VIP treatment. No, so I said, no need for any of the. We came here for a purpose. So we stood there and prayed over the last person and we were the last to leave. But today that's not it. No pastor evangelists and all of them have VIP bodyguards and this thing and they're taken away. Okay, I know one can, one person cannot, but have 50, if you have 50,000 crowd, have 5,000 volunteers. Let the anointing flow. You stand at one hand and let them pray. What are the people coming there for? What is this? This is not a show. This is not a show. But when flesh rules, it is all show. It is all show. No. Jesus, poor man, um, anointed or alone, he would fall asleep in a boat too. And in the beach, taking a quick power nap to go there and set somebody else free. In between, he finished one entire ministry, fall asleep and go over. And they won't let him sleep also. Wake him up to still a storm. He said, you have no faith. You could have let me sleep and done it yourself. Didn't you learn all this while? No. So, be, so what happens, verse 11? What have you done? Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come, another sign of the flesh, immaturity, you blame others for your own mistakes. People were scattering, you were late. 
I'm not actually responsible for this action. Okay? I was forced to do it because of others' mistake. People should have stayed with me. Why did you scatter? And why were you late? That's why I did this. Okay. He does not take responsibility. The child does not take responsibility for their actions. But the question is, by the way, why are the Philistines here? Who blew the trumpet? Did God tell you to fight? And God told you to fight? Did you lose any battle? No. Did God tell you to fight? No. Who blew the trumpet? You blew the trumpet and gathered the whole enemy. Verse 12. The Philistines will now come down at me and I have not made supplication though. Therefore I felt compelled. They feel compelled. Remember? Moses went up and the people gathered around Aaron. Aaron felt compelled to make a golden calf. These are child pastors. They feel compelled. We feel compelled by circumstances. That's when adult children get married. They get compelled to get married. Because age is passing me by. Not God is passing me by. Age is passing me by. Compelled. They are moved by circumstances and not led by the Spirit. In the book of Romans chapter 8, no, verse 14, where scripture says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There the word for son is a completely different term in Greek. It is rios, which means a mature son. If you turn to John chapter 1 and verse 12, the Greek word, that is a completely different word, which means a small child. As many as received him to them, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Those who believe in his name. One is technon, if that's the pronunciation, I don't know Greek. And uh, the other one is rios. Okay. Rios make decisions based on circumstances and they are compelled by their situations or people. Rios are led. And God is trying to move children to the point where they can be led. And verse 13 and 14, going back to Samuel. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom of Israel forever. God can lead and establish only those who obey. Disobedience will cost us heavily in the long run. Remember who the Philistines are. Philistines are powers of darkness. Meaning they are powers of disobedience. God can help only the sons of obedience. If you are a son of disobedience and try to fight the powers of disobedience, you are in a catch-22 situation, like we say, between the rock and a hard place. Devil is against you and God opposes you. You have nowhere to turn. That's exactly what happens to him at the end. He has nowhere to turn. The devil is after his head and God turns his back at him. You're there. And that's why we have to be very, very careful at that stage of our life, spiritual stage. 
always be careful about the child stage. Disobedience will cost us. Verses 16 to 18. The spiritual picture. Okay, now there is a, there is a, a diversion that happens there. Okay. And, uh, there, uh, um, there is uh, what you call, you have what happens, and God is giving us a lesson from this of what happens even today. Please, we'll read, yeah. So Saul and Jonathan, his son, the people present remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but Philistines camped in Michmash. The raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three company. One company turned onto the road to Ophra to the land of Shoah. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon. Another company. So the, the Philistines are constantly attacking the children of God, meaning the powers of darkness are oppressing the children of God. Today's translation. The powers of darkness are oppressing the children of God. And they are not able to do anything. If you come to verse 19, what is happening there? There was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. No blacksmith. Very tactically, the enemy works. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, his sickle. There was no blacksmith, yeah. And the charge for sharpening was a pimp for the plowshare, the mattocks, the fox, the axes to set the points of the board. So what has happened? It's a very tactical thing. What does the enemy do? The enemy sees that Israelites have no blacksmith. Who is the blacksmith? The blacksmith is the one who makes your weapons of war. So what did they do? They saw that there was only Philistine blacksmiths. So if a Hebrew goes over there, all he can do is sharpen his agriculture implements. And then he will charge him for that too. So what did the enemy do in the 21st century? He changed the nature of all the pastors. All the pastors are prosperity preachers and not who fight spiritual battles. So the people do not know how to fight the powers of darkness. Blacksmiths have been changed. And they don't even realize these blacksmiths are Philistine blacksmiths. There at least you knew. Here they don't know. An exchange has been done very quietly. All of them are telling you how to prosper in the world. Now the world has shut down. Where are you going to prosper? This is the time when you should to fight. But you were never taught to fight. You were taught how to sharpen your communication skills in church. How to look good for an interview. You were taught all this stuff. Now there is no communication skill. There is no interview. Everything is shut down. This is what they were teaching. You look at the messages of the big churches. This is exactly the way teaching how to prosper in the world. Who are they? Philistine blacksmiths. And in the meantime, while people were actually, you know, actually their agriculture was good. This was good. Everything, what they were not doing, the Philistines were raiding. So people are this thing. But in the time, what was happening, the homes were being attacked. The children were falling away. Marriages were falling away. But people were prospering in the world. But spiritually, they did not realize the Christian world was devastated spiritually. Devastated spiritually. Taken over. But you look at it. What is a sign of success? It's money. It's money. Spiritually? No. And that's what you see over there, what is happening. And flesh will always go that route. Okay, so in chapter, this is how chapter 13 ends. Sad state, status quo, nothing is happening. Israel is stuck like Chuck. 
and God is not even moving. God is, God is not moved by the cry of flesh. He is only moved by faith. Is there anybody in that camp who believes? One boy. Jonathan, the eldest son of Saul. One man. And God, that's all God needs. One man is all God needs. So scripture will say that he was sitting under a tree with 600 men and nobody has spear or sword and he's got a sword and it is sitting there with one sword. 600 men all around. And Philistines have quarantined them. <laughs> they are all blocked. They can't move left or right. In chapter 14 is when two men, one man, Pastor Vijay talked about that, right? One man called Jonathan. He's tired. He says, you know what? And that happens. The Lord of dead churches where one man will say, I had enough. I am enough. You know what? I am going to get into my prayer closet and pray. Lord, do something. I am tired, Lord. This is not what I see when I read the Bible. It looks something. What is this? This is a dead church. It's not formalism. It's formalin. You know, the whole church is soaked in formalin, right? What do you call it? No, it's a medical term, yeah. Preserving the dead. He says, I'm tired of this. Lord, this is not what I see when I look into the word of God. You are a living God. And the church is a living organism. It's not even an organization. It's an organism, okay? And there you will see the key words is verse 6 in chapter 14. Verse 6, the statement he makes. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. You will see this is exactly years later what David will say. Who is this uncircumcised? He he defines his enemy by their identity. They have no relationship with the living God. Not their numbers. Not their numbers. Not their chariots. Not their horsemen. Not their weapons. They are like the sand on the seashore, 6,000 horsemen and chariot. It's not looking at that. One thing. Do they have a covenant with the rock? If they do not have a covenant with the rock, what can they do? It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. First thing, he identifies his enemy. They have no covenant with the living God. Two, we have a covenant with the living God. I don't know. My father has goofed up. But... Faith is always a risk. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. But I know one thing about my God. Numbers don't matter to him. And he knows Israel's history. Numbers never matter to God. God can save with many or by few. And that's how the whole thing starts. He brings about a change. We are not getting into that because one man of faith brings a great change over there. And let's read verse 16 to 19. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked and there was a multitude melting away and they went here, here and there. It's because Jonathan is gone. Okay, and he started, the whole thing started shaking. That's 15 and all, no? Half an acre they won, they killed. Okay. Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll, see who has gone from us. Suddenly flesh will wake up and very important. Who is missing? What is happening? Boofman and all. When they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. At that time, the ark of God was with the church. Suddenly he wants to know what happened to his son. And he said, What is happening? Now it happened. Well, Saul talked to the priest. The noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Paul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. 
He does not even have the patience to finish the spiritual work he has started. He's looking at the enemy, not at the ark. He's got the ark right before the, the priest is trying to hear what God is trying to say. He's looking at the enemy. And he says, okay, okay, okay. Uh, 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 it's okay. Stop your service. Stop your prayer for me. Let me handle this now. Finished. Gone. That is the man of flesh. When it comes to spiritual things, he has never endured. Never endured. It's like you got, you're going through a problem and you decided, okay, I'm going on a seven day fast. Second day you finished and you started eating. Finished. You have no endurance in the things of God. No. I don't know why my young boys are laughing, but okay, we draw your hand. It's forgotten. We need to realize all battles of us won in the spiritual realm, then only in the physical realm. We don't win there. This victory won't last. It won't last. Okay, withdraw your hand. We know what happened. They won. All the stuff that happened, they won. Let's go to verse uh, 24. They won, okay? They won a huge battle. The Lord rescued Israel and that is where it's the word. Now the men of Israel were in distress that day because Saul had bound the people under an oath saying, Curse be any man who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemy. This is the foolish man. They are winning a great victory which has got nothing to do with him. It's got nothing. The victory has got nothing to do with him. The victory has got to do with God and another man of faith. But he has to take the glory, so he makes a great spiritual day. We are all fasting today. When they should be eating because they are fighting. When the carnal man makes spiritual decisions. It looks very spiritual, but it is the most foolish decision he can make. When people need strength, he puts them in weakness. How do you ask soldiers to fast? They should be eating. They are chasing the Philistines. He says, nobody will eat. So none of the people. So what does a carnal leader do? He puts people into distress. Know that. The flesh will put you into distress. And that's what carnal leaders have done. I have a vision from God. God is telling to us today, by 2021, we will build a sanctuary to fit 15,000 people. So bring in your offerings. Every one of you, bring in your offerings. Every Sunday, offering. Of, what are you putting the people into? Distress. Distress. And they know which one has money, which doesn't have money, and everybody is being told, bring in money. Oh, you only gave 10,000, you can give more. Isn't three of your sons? That is what the priest in my hometown will do with my mother. 85-year-old mother. And she will fall for it. Oh, your children are all studying abroad. We are building the church. Can you only give this thing? Can you bring it? Ask them to send money. These are brothers who don't even go to church. But they will give money. So how is your money built with? Philistine money, Amalekite money, Jacobite money, Marthamite money. And you are saying dedication of the church, let everybody come. Where did this money come from? What are you actually doing putting your whole church in distress? And that's what he does. You have to read it spiritually what happens when flesh takes over. It brings great distress. That's why I keep telling pastors, all you have to do is God, if you started it, you will finish it. I'm coming to you and putting before you the needs. And then 
let God move people. When God moves people, you know this is God. This is God, right? Did Moses go to Egypt to bring the people out or God sent him? God told him also which route he is taking, right? Everything was decided by God. So is this his burden? No, it's not his burden. It's God's burden. So did Moses have to stress to feed 2 million people every day, 3 times for 40 years? No. And that is the first shepherd in the Bible. The first pastor in the Bible is Moses because Israel is called the church in the wilderness. And which pastor has to ever think and worry about logistics like that? But God came through. But when flesh becomes a shepherd, when flesh becomes king, this is what happens. It will put people into distress. Okay. And the decisions look very spiritual. We are building a sanctuary for the Lord. No, not for the Lord, for your glory. Not for God. God has got nothing to do with it. You want to take glory. God has brought the victory. Another young boy rose up in faith and you want to take glory. So how do you take a glory? Well, you didn't fight you to do anything. I'm declaring a fast. So at the end I can say it is from the I declared a fast. My fasting brought the victory. So you want to look spiritual when somebody else won the victory. Verse 25 says, <laughs> The entire army entered. The people of the land came to a forest and there was honey on the ground. And I will say, the ground was oozing honey. This is the army coming there. You know, God is having jokes. They are all hungry. And there was honey. And they went in the woods and they saw honey oozing out. Yet no one put his hand to his mouth because they feared the oath. Okay. Imagine. Imagine taking our little Enoch and Amun and Joanna and all these little ones and all of you sit over there and put a jar of cookie in the middle. Sit there. Fully even made a decision. Everybody is hungry and the whole ground is oozing honey. <laughs> Soldiers. Because if he heard the oath. What happened? Somebody else, Jonathan had not heard his father charge because he had left the camp earlier. So what did he do? He stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand, dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand in his mouth and his countenance brightened. Yeah, he did it. Okay. Now you know what the truth is? The truth is the internet also or in so many other ways is flooded or let us look at this. Flooded with the word of the word of God is honey. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? For hundreds and hundreds of years the one major denomination which dominated Christianity told their people don't read the word. Disgust fuss. You couldn't be even have a copy of the Bible. You could face death. And second, they discourage people from reading. The whole ground is oozing honey. And they told the people, don't touch. Listen to what we say. Isn't that what happens? Three hour service, 15 minute word. The whole ground is oozing with honey, but the people are going hungry. Because a man at the top has made an oath. Nobody will, nobody will eat. Yet the man who took it, his face, countenance changed. God says, oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Everything changed. 
His countenance brightened. He was not following. Jonathan had not heard his father's charge. He was not following flesh. He was following the voice of the spirit. And his eyes were enlightened. Okay. Eyes were enlightened. Let's come to verse 28 and 29 and see what flesh does father. We are looking at what flesh. Okay, then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, curse is the man who eats food this day and people were faint. What did he say? Verse 9. And Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now, my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. They are saying, you know, this is flesh and spirit. People are saying, you know what? Pastor said, Nobody should read the Bible. Jonathan says, but I read a little and it's really good. But if pastor reads, he may throw you out of church because you read the Bible. Like one of our brothers you know, from the Bible college. Amazing. Bible college is great. Doctrine and all is great. The thing is that they were actually told in the Bible college not to read Derek Prince and burn his books. My God, I don't think in the 20th, 21st century there was ever a teacher of the word of God who was teacher of the word of God who was so anointed as Derek Prince. In what way they were told? Don't taste. They have no clue what they are missing. I don't think there was a teacher like that who could Teach to any level. He could teach to a child. He could teach to a young man. He could teach to a father. At all three levels. C.S. Lewis and all children don't understand. They're intellectuals. Revizak and all children don't understand. But Derek Prince, everybody from here to there, he can teach. He can teach. And he will break. And you know when you listen to him, you know you got the spirit and you know your word. You know almost everything he says is true. Absolutely, he knows. He's reading the word correctly. Yet, so many are told not to taste. Not to taste. There are millions and millions of believers. Believers. Okay, those who followed Saul are all believers, typically. And tens and thousands of servants of God who have been told there is no second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The problem is in their own denominations. Baptist or Lutheran, there are quietly people who have tasted it and keep quiet about it. Their ministry has changed. They won't talk about it because they talk about it, they'll be out of their denominations. But they have tasted it. Why? Because the leader has sworn an oath. Nobody will taste that honey. When you put these doctrinal blinkers and not look into the word of God. Doctrine. When the Bible is so very, very clear, Jesus was born of the Spirit and was filled at 30. He breathed upon them on the day of resurrection evening, received the Spirit as the Father I am sending, and then told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received power from above. And 10 days later they received. So the pattern is always there. Can it happen simultaneously? Yes, it can. But that does not mean these are two separate, distinct experiences. It is. So what happens? They are not allowed to taste. The ground is oozing with the Holy Spirit. Nobody can taste. Because your denomination head said that is not true. And people are caught in these traps when people at the top make these decisions. You know, make these decisions. 
So that is where you see. John says, my father has troubled the land. Look now, my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Okay? God has said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Saul is there at the head, flesh is there, self, selfishness, self-centered and self-rule. No control over the flesh. Let's go to verse 31 and 33. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Mikmash to so the people were very faint. Like in victory, they are faint because they have no food. Without any strength, they have one. Because the leader said, don't eat. And then verse, okay. Then they told Saul, saying, look, the people are, okay, okay, what happened is further down, the Philistines left all their stuff. We left 32, I think, right? Yeah, we left. The people rushed onto the spoil, took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground and people ate them with the blood. That's what happens when you have a foolish leader. The people are so hungry, they didn't have time to drain the blood out. Why? Because they have been starving from morning onwards. Because the leader said, don't eat. Now they are so hungry. Then they saw, look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So this, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Suddenly he's going to make his first altar. Okay? So also, disperse yourself among the people. Say to them, bring me here every man's ox, every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat. Do not sin against the Lord by eating with blood. So every one of the people brought his ox that night and slaughtered. Then the Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Now you will see something interesting. Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until morning. Like, let us not leave a man of them. They said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, sir, your honor, your majesty, can we just ask God once? Please. He's jumping in the flesh. He built an altar and all, but he's jumping in the flesh. He wanted, he doesn't realize this victory has got nothing to do with him. Saul asked counsel of the God. Shall I go down out of the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. <laughs> he didn't answer him that day. Okay, let's, what ha- let's see what happens. Saul said, come over here all of you. All chiefs of people and know and see what this sin was today. God did not answer me. Who has sinned? You have sinned. You are the fellow who sinned. You know what you have done? You are calling everybody and says, I want to know who has sinned. Why has God answered you? Because this victory had nothing to do with you and asking about the second battle without dealing with your own sin. You want me to answer you. So he says, no, I will not take responsibility. I am not. I am, I'm, I'm kosher. Because you look at my victory. I ordered a fast and we got the victory too. So all of you come here. Who is the one? Okay. So they chief by chief, then they draw lots and finally the lot falls on Jonathan. Let us see what happens. The lot falls on. Jonathan. Verse 38 we read. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to 43 onwards. They falls on. uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 38 we didn't read. His decision also. This is all flesh. Remember? 38. Come here. Um, Yeah. No see what his sin. This sin was today. Yeah. Come further down. Yeah. For the Lord lives, who saves Israel. Though it be Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. This is what flesh will say. Even if it is my son, he doesn't know it is his son. No, he hasn't, though he hasn't sinned. 
He shall die. People did not answer. Everybody knows Jonathan is about to be. Everybody is giving it. Okay, you'll see how flesh will do all these things, no? 43 to 45. And Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die? Should I? Why I am saying this pattern you will always see in so many churches. No, They have no fixed format of their service at all. Suddenly in the middle somebody will say the spirit of the Lord has told me to do it this way. And after that it is total chaos in the church. That is Jonathan. That is Saul. He is acting very spiritual when he is the most carnal man in the lot. God has not answered me. Hmm, there is sin in the camp. Somebody, let's draw lots. Okay. You are the sinner. What did you do? Well, I didn't do anything. All I did was eat little honey. Oh, that is the reason. That is what was brought to this man brought your victory. Now he is the culprit. God do so more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Now he has to cover his pride. Because what did he say? He, even if it is my son, people all heard right. Now this is what happened to Herod also. That foolish fellow when he was drunk said, I will give you half my kingdom. The girl didn't want the kingdom. The girl wanted the prophet's head. So now that because he had sold in friend of the people, when he, she came, mother, consulted with the mother and came and said she wanted the prophets, he could not withdraw his word back because everybody heard and people will think, what kind of a man I am? That's a problem with flesh. If it is a spiritual man, he will say, I'm sorry, I'm adding a bracket in bracket. I forgot to tell you, I'm saying every half my kingdom except John's head. You have no problem with humbling yourself. I'm not going to sin against God. But the flesh will not humble. It will not humble. It has to put on this front. What is this front? That I was right. That's a problem with flesh. The flesh will always put on this appearance that you are right even when you are wrong. And this will continue. That's the problem of the, of the flesh. When a, when a child of God walks in flesh, he's a divided man. He's a hypocrite. He's a di- you know, it comes from the Greek play. Hypocrite, because they used to wear masks for each scene. So the person inside and the person outside are two different people. And the carnal believer, if and when he goes into leadership, is a hypocrite. Because he always has to put on this front. That I'm, the decisions I'm taking is all very spiritual. And even when he's absolutely wrong, he will pretend he's right and they're all wrong. And that's that's a problem with people. A lot of people will never humble and come back to God and come back from where they left is because if we come back, then what will they think? They will know I was wrong and he was right. They will die in their sin. They will die in their sin. Literally they will die in their sin. Because they don't. But they won't realize out there, you are already exposed. And everybody will reach over there and will really know you are a fool who died in your sin. Why did you have to die in your sin? And that's what he's talking about. And what happens the next verse, 45? But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die? Who accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. And as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan and he did not die. You know what happened? Saul rebelled against God. And he passed the rebellion into the people. People rebelled against Saul 
their king and rescued Jonathan. The rebellion has now gone into the nation. From the leader into the nation. You know? Now you look at two years back or three years back, 1 Samuel 11 and verse 13, and look at three years later, 11, 13. 1 Samuel 11. Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Who are these? Sons of Belial. Right? The sons of the devil. Belial itself shall not die. But today now when flesh is king, my son will die. A son will die. The righteous man in their midst, the man of faith in their midst will die. This is the problem with flesh. This is the problem with flesh. And we need to realize this is a child. And houses and homes and churches are wrecked by children who get married, by the way. These children get married. Child father and a child mother get married. Meaning they never grew. Age-wise they have grown. And all these churches which have committees, there may be a poor, humble pastor surrounded by these children who are in the committee. They don't allow him to breathe properly. Some of them just sit there and literally die. Because they don't have the faith to come out like Jonathan. Trust God and be led by God. They would have had a victory. I know one or two pastors who left and said, I had enough, I'm leaving. And he's doing very well now. He started in from his house and then God started adding people. One acre, he won, like Jonathan. But this is the problem. And you need to realize. And as men who are listening, all the men, husbands, you can't be a child husband. Mothers who are listening, you can't be a child mother. You will wreck. You will wreck. You will wreck. You have to grow because there's no time. There's no time left. These are all... Leadership is spiritual. It is not carnal. Otherwise, when you get carnal, you will kill your son also. The man of faith in your family, the man who hears from in your family, in your midst, imagine he kills Jonathan. Who is left there to fight? Who hears from God? There's nobody. So rebellion is passed on. Remember, this is what Samuel had la- would, would later tell him in 1523. Witchcraft that is entering into the whole kingdom. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. This is what is stubborn. Stubborn! Flesh is very, very stubborn. And if you don't deal with flesh early, it will only grow stronger and stronger and stronger. That's why flesh has to be dealt with very early, early in your life. When you come to the Lord, early in your life, deal with flesh. That's why I look back and I realize and I say, Lord, it was like I was just new young believer going into this country, shutdown country. You gave me these mentors, book mentors, the toughest mentors you can get. <laughs> Watch my knee, Richard Wombrot. And you're a young believer with there with not this good news Bible. One hand, good news Bible. Other hand, watch my knee. 
think about it no internet no naps nothing no kjv no i didn't even know i did not even know kjv what kjv was good news bible and watchman the yeah, only thing i knew i could read english and understand english very well english was language was not the problem good news bible watchman good news bible richard wombrand good news bible martin lloyd jones that saved my soul when i came out and was with all these solish preachers not solish solish king saul's caliber you know saved my life otherwise i would have just gone good news would have become bad news so he will go further and further and further and further down but god is still merciful i, I believe god still gave him one more chance one more chance okay first samuel chapter 15 verses 2 and 3 clear distinction i believe if he had obeyed this he could have redeemed himself thus says the lord of hosts i will punish amalek for what he did to israel how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from egypt go attack amalek utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them but kill both man and woman infant nursing child ox sheep camel and donkey now god is hand picking this battle for him his battles were all with philistines remember he's fighting the philistines already he says you know what no you go fight the amalekites because what does amalek represent flesh and what are you king of flesh so deal with them leave philistines alone go deal with the amalekites if he had obeyed exact instructions are very very clear if he had dealt it the way god said he would have had this what you call his second chance actually he got many chances but this would be his last chance but he had come to a point where he thinks he can do what he pleases that's what happens to flesh when flesh comes to a point it thinks it is exempt from obeying fully god and still believes it has obeyed fully because you are exempt the rules don't apply to you verse 9 Saul and the people spared Agag the best of the sheep the oxen the fatlings the lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them but everything despised and worthless they utterly destroyed that's the nature of the flesh and even even today when we talk about repentance and clean your closet meaning in terms of your life everything what will we get rid of all the things which we despise and we think is worthless but whatever our flesh likes enjoys and considers it valuable we will put it aside you won't destroy that it won't we won't destroy that what we come to despise and worthless like if it was written over there Saul and the people killed Agag the all the sheep the oxen the fat the lambs and spared all the infants and the lambs i can still understand I still feel God would have showed him mercy. But that's not. This is not compassion. This is not kindness or compassion. There's even a human kindness which can be appreciated. It's not that. It is flesh. It's absolutely flesh. Okay? And we need to realize, understand like this 21 days God is telling us to put away in your life, in your house, get rid of all these things. And you look at yeah, this book, this book I need to throw out. Okay, this is carnal. But how can I throw this? This can't be thrown. Remember? Yeah, I know. I bought this when I went to London, and I paid fifty pounds for it. But that is occult. 
That is a doorway in your house. Occult meaning you don't realize it. God is saying, get rid of that stuff. Oh, this painting. My gosh, this painting. I, I bought it. You don't know how much I bought it for and how many people have appreciated this painting. God says, get rid of it. That's a doorway. Oh, this Chinese porcelain vase. No? When we went to Beijing, Wuhan, before the lockdown, <laughs> we bought it. God says, can you get... Can you get rid of that? And that earring you like, you know, the big long ones with jingles and jangles. God says, can you get rid of that? You don't know which factory line it came from. What was put into it before. This. You know, after you bought it, have you noticed you cannot hear the word of God clearly? Will you get rid of it? No. All these ones, the round, round ones, small, small, small ones. No, I don't like it. Okay, God said, get rid of your earrings. I'll get rid of this, but this I will keep. Look in your closet, no? Can you get rid of this? Can you get rid of this? This? Yeah, this. But you don't know. Did you see the label? Just take a look at the label. Get rid of this. God says, yeah, why? Because it's too transparent. But I like it. Get rid of it. all children caught in the church like Agag will come back and say God spoke to me and I got rid of a lot of things in my house. God doesn't want to know whether he got rid of a lot. He wants to know whether he got rid of all. Enemy is also very happy with your sacrifice because he says all the stuff which I wanted you left in your house. I'll come back. Don't worry. I'm very happy. When you went to that cupboard, I was very scared. I thought you would throw my entry point. Inside, you kept my entry point and threw everything else out. Thank you, okay? Thank you, thank you. It'll make you feel good also about your sacrifice. People don't realize why their spiritual side is absolutely blocked is because they have not got rid of the stuff. Got rid of the stuff. You may be very attached to it, but sometimes you have to listen to the voice of God may speak through Sarah. Get rid of that bond woman and her son. It was very painful to me. How can I throw that out? Don't you realize it's mine? Yeah, it's your flesh. Don't you know it's answer to my prayer? I said, Lord, let he grow. And he's grown. And my ministry has prospered. Will you please shut it down? Shut it down? Yeah, get rid of it. That's a stumbling block. Don't you realize? Unless you shut it down, you're spiritually, you will never prosper. You will never really, you will never ever really, really grow. Never really grow. And we get stuck. We get stuck. We get stuck. We don't realize this one decision will cost him his life, his throne, his kingdom. One decision. One decision. A lot of people don't realize some of the decisions where we think we have obeyed 90% is the actual decision that causes our inheritance in heaven. When you began, you obeyed only 8-10%. That didn't matter, God. Either you were a baby anyway. But now we have come this far. And I'm telling you, now I demand from you 100% obedience to what I have told you. And we do 90 because we look back and said, Oh, we did only 10 and you blessed me. Now I'm doing 90. Definitely you'll bless me. He says, on the other hand, I'm taking your kingdom from you. Because you have reached the point where I expect you 
to listen to me 100%. And that is what happens. Old nature, that carnal man will do anything what pleases self. So all that didn't look attractive to your carnal eyes, you got rid of. Not only that, <laughs> he will go down and build a monument also after that. You know that, right? Portion. He goes down and builds a monument. Monument to what? He thinks it's a monument to his obedience. He doesn't realize it is a monument to his disobedience. Monument to his disobedience. And Samuel comes. Let's go to verse 13. Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Really? Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Where he was and where he is are two different places. There's a lot of distance from where he was and where he is. And he says, I have commanded. And this man doesn't see or anything. He doesn't even know what he has done. But he has already heard in his spirit. He says, in the spirit I hear something. I hear the bleating of sheep. And the lowing of auction is what I hear. That's what I hear. This is what I hear. In my spirit, I hear something else. Oh, I'm so interested in the salvation message. Tell me, tell me where we can get that water where I don't have to. He says, go get your husband and come. Go get your husband and come. That's the last thing she wanted to hear. But that's the first thing she needs to hear. Go get your husband and come. I have no husband. Cool. I understand that. I was waiting to see whether he would lie or not. Because if you were to tell me my husband won't come, he's a very rude man, he doesn't like helping with me with any of those things, then you are not ready. But you told me the truth. I have no husband. It's true. You had five. You're living with the sixth one. What is this then? The bleating of sheep and the lowing of auction, oxen which I hear. That's Revelation. Verse 15. Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. Look at that leadership. They, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to the sacrifice. To sacrifice to the Lord your God. Not my God or our God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. What a cop out. You have to be very careful who you are telling all these things, no? Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. This is the problem, no? The problem is a carnal man sometimes, sometimes misunderstands the spiritual leadership. You think they too are like you. Ananias and Sapphira comes, puts a great offering. Wait a second. Wait a second. Offering time, wait a second. It's a huge, huge amount of money is coming. You can make it out because it's a, it's a bag. They sold land and bringing the proceeds. <coughs> you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Another man, when he saw the Holy Spirit, 
was received by the laying hands. Please, please, give me also the gift, no? I will give you money. The same thing. Giving an offering to be included in something. That's what happened in essence of Sapphira. When they saw Barnabas sold land and laid, and he was included among the disciples, they thought it was the money that made him. It was his heart that got him involved here. But they said, okay, we will also be included. So what all we have to do is, Ananias and Sapphira deciding, okay, we also want to be in the eldership of the church. So what we will do? We will withdraw 50,000 from the, how much is there in the account? 100,000. Okay, we will do 50 and give it to pastor. A big offering. Pastor may include us also in the leadership. The problem is the pastor was different. He knew exactly how much was in the account. Wasn't that yours? Did I ask for your money? Did I ask for an offering? Did I make any announcements here? But you are coming and saying we are giving everything when you kept 50 back at home. Take your money and die with your money. That's what happens. That's what's happening to that man. They brought them from the Amalekites. People, Samuel said to be quiet. Look at that. I'll tell you what the Lord told me. When? Last night. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the Lord told me last night. Judgment was already passed last night. I am here only to tell you what the judgment is. Poor man, no? First, he began his ministry like that. Young boy. Whatever the Lord tells me, don't hold it back. Okay? Please tell me. He's standing there, little boy. Before his mentor, priest, Eli. This is what the Lord said. You and your household will be forever cut away. End of his life. You and your household will be forever cut away. You think it's easy to be a prophet? He began and ended his ministry the same way. Two people in his life. One was Eli, the other was Saul. Cut them both out. Look at today's prophets. Look at the prophets in the Bible. And the, pro- the thing is that Samuel loves Eli like his father. And Samuel loves Saul, but he's sentencing both to death. Though he loves them, he loves his God more. He said, speak on. The past judgment is past. Verse 24 and 25. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed the voice. So his repentance is still not, even when he's saying he sinned, he's still justifying why he did it. That's why God loves David. David doesn't say, you know what, I am sorry, I sinned. But why does a woman have to come and sleep, bathe out in the public? Doesn't she have a bathroom? He doesn't say any of those things. Does she say anything? In none of his narratives in any way does he mention Bathsheba at all. I have sinned against you. Nothing. Wasn't she a married woman? 
Didn't she know? Didn't she know? Have the guts to say no? I cannot. Doesn't say anything. No justifying. I have sinned. Period. I have sinned. And God said, "I've taken your sin away." How do we sin? How do we repent? When we repent, do we make all the? And some of your excuses may be true, but that's not the point. Who is the king? You. Who is the head? You. So it was your decision, right? Adam, Adam, where are you? Who told you? Not a single question to you. Fourth question is to you. What have you done? But who plucked? She did. Who ate first? She did. Did you stop her? No. Wasn't it your role to stop her? And even if she had eaten before you saw it, wasn't it your role as head not to partake of her sin? No. You didn't do that, right? So, are you to the king? Therefore, please pardon me and return with me that I may worship the Lord. No, it's a total cop-out. This is where we have to see how the flesh in us will react when we are confronted by God. This is not about Saul. This is about us as individuals, how our flesh will react. And because the flesh reacts that way, it makes the flesh feel good. See, I have repented. I have confessed. I really want to come with you. I have asked for forgiveness. I want to come with you, prophet, and I want to worship the Lord. Everything is fine, but God says, unacceptable. Inside, I see nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Come further down. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king of Israel. I will not return with you. I will not reject it. Because you need to realize something, Saul. You still haven't understood me. This and me are the same. You reject this, you reject me. You are trying to bring a division between me and the word. If you rejected the word, I can't come with you. I go where the word goes. I go where the word goes. Verse 27. And Samuel turned around to go away and Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. No, you know. Prophetic is working. Over time now. As you tore my robe, God has torn the kingdom from you. And please let me tell you, don't keep begging again. The strength of Israel will not lie or relent. He's not a man that he should relent. It's over. Because sometimes you have to tell it over and over to flesh before they will realize it is over. The court of appeals is closed its door. It is over. 
need to be very sure he will not change your mind now. Verse 30, it's interesting. He said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, no? before the elders of my people and before Israel. Return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. He's not bothered about all that. He said, you know what, please, 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 accept, accept, please, 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 come with me. Let me put this, let people think I'm still spiritual. Okay, it's okay if God doesn't. Because he always lived his life before the people. He never lived, lived his life before God. So even if God has rejected me, he still wants the people's approval. That is outer gates, outer gates, outer courts ministry. It's all about the people. It's not about God. But people forgot in the outer court there is only two things. It's all about judgment. It is bronze. This is what you should have brought your people to. And you yourself constantly judged yourself. There was no other ministry in the outer courts. The outer courts ministry was all about judging. The flesh, let flesh die. Instead, because you didn't do the ministry of God in the outer courts, you are now absolutely open to the ministry of the devil in the outer courts. What does the devil do? Exalt and lift flesh up. So even when your kingdom has been rejected, the throne has been rejected, kingdom taken away from you, you are saying, does not matter. As long as the people think, I am spiritual and you are with me. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshipped the Lord. He said, okay, if that is what you want, I'll give you. Verse 35. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. Deuteronomy 22.10 You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. The ox in the Bible is an animal that is used for two things. One is sacrifice, the other is service. The, ox, the donkey represents a stubborn, a rebellious fellow. So, the donkey and the ox went two different ways after that day. Saul will never see Samuel. Go. Samuel will never go to Saul. For three years, the ox and the donkey were plowed, trying to plow together. But you know the donkey will come to the ox only when there is no other way out. Otherwise, he will try to do it alone. But that day, God said, you are going two different ways. One is in the sacrifice and the service of God. The other fellow was always a stubborn, rebellious fellow. Now we ask you, what is the law? This is the spirit of the law. Now if you go to the Orthodox Jew in Israel, he will still plow, not plow the donkey and the ox together because he hasn't understood what it meant. This is what it meant. You cannot put a carnal man and a spiritual man together in one team. So Barnabas and Saul, Paul has to go two different ways because when you are going Two by two, you have to match. Even if you are like this, there is only one way you can go. One comes under the other. 
But if this one refuses to come under and says no, then you are pulling in two ways. Okay, let's go two different ways. You go this way, I go this way. We cannot go together because now it's becoming like an ox and a donkey. Ox and a donkey. That's what happened. Are they both called? Yes. Are they both disciples? Yes. But the problem is in Barnabas, flesh is a little strong. It's got to do with Mark, his nephew. You see the older one? Yes. You see the one who first mentored Paul? Yes. Brought him and introduced? Yes. But the time has come for you to move on, Saul, if you have to fulfill. Do you love each other? Yes. But can you walk together? No. And people won't understand these things, but you have to take those decisions in life and move on. Like I did 12 years ago. If I hadn't done that, there would have been no GDC. Was that man nice? Of course, I still love him. Love him, I love his family. The problem is, it was not whether the man was not nice or not. Could we go together? No, it was not possible. It was simply not possible. Because doctrinally, it was like two different ways. Person, yes. So even when we talk here about people, we are not judging them, we are judging their doctrine. Their doctrine is dangerous. And doctrine has to be judged. Doctrine is taking tens and thousands back into the world. So it has to be dealt. A child, the flesh in us, like Paul will say in First Corinthians nine twenty seven, has to be dealt with a hard hand. I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. All my new young believers who in the last few weeks, after we started this, so many has come into the Lord. I don't know how many hundreds have come into the Lord already. I'm telling you. You all come into the Lord, but remember you are all children. You're all children. You need to take some very hard decisions. If you want to move to the next level. You take hard decisions. God is with you and he is for you. God is for you. Even who you will listen. What you will read. What you will eat. How you will eat. Where you will go. You will have to make very, 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 very difficult decisions. Because of your age. Because many of you are 50s, 60s, maybe older than that, and you just came into the kingdom of God, you will have to take very tough decisions if you don't want to be disqualified. Jeremiah 14 and verse 6. Can I go, go to KJV? Because NIV, KJV all uh, translates it in a different way. The wild asses did stand in the high places. They snuffed up the wind like dragons. Their eyes did fail because there was no grass. All other translations turn that wild ass into sorry, dragon into jackals. Snuffed. No? Snuffed. Snuffed off. Means to trample. There are a lot of wild asses standing in high places. What do they do? They trample upon the move of the Holy Spirit like dragons. You are in places of position, spiritual position. Priests, bishops, overseers, pastors, senior pastors, worldwide congregation, all those things. 
dressed in fantastic robes and costumes. But they are wild asses. They stand in high places. What they have snuffed off is the move of the Holy Spirit. Like what? Like the dragon, like the serpent. The serpent was able to work through their flesh and cut out the move of the Holy Spirit like Saul did in his days after the first two years. The Holy Spirit is working through a young man. That also his own son. He could have taken great pride in it. Instead he was ready to kill him. And then another young man was ready to kill him. Then his daughter, he was mad at her. Then he wanted to kill his son for allowing to, you know what? Sitting in a high place like in a wild ass, oh. snuffing out the move of the Holy Spirit in his kingdom. God says, be careful. Be careful. And as I close, there is only one way it can be broken. Mark 11 and verse 2 and verse 7. The only one. He said to him, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied, the young one of a donkey, on which no one has sat. Loose and bring it. And verse 7. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. You have to take what represents your flesh. Put it on that donkey. Let him sit on it. Let him ride it. He's the only one who can tame the unconquered flesh in you and me. There is no one else. Let him ride. He's untamed. But he can tame anybody. He can judge that stubborn nature of the flesh. And when he rides, you can be very sure he will ride to glory. Or else, he will strip the kingdom from us and give it to somebody else. So Joseph has to be stripped of that coat and sold as a slave. So that his flesh can be dealt for the next 13 years. When it is done. And his flesh is completely dead. He steps aside and starts rolling. There is no flesh left. Flesh is dead. He has brought to death. Every work of the flesh. Last two years was the most difficult. Leaning on one little arm of the flesh. God let, let that also die. You will hope in nothing Joseph. But me. Me alone. And he will be released. Flesh has to be put to death. By the spirit. That is who is riding the donkey. By, don't try to use flesh to put down flesh. It's a stupid thing you can do. It doesn't work. Ask the spirit of God to show, empower and put to death. But the action is yours. Remember the action is yours. That is where your will comes in and you do that action and God empowers. He will will it, you will work it out. So this evening we'll go to the Lord and we will pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, this evening. One more teaching session, Lord. This teaching is all for us, Lord. All of us desire to overcome one day. 
and to hear from your lips, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Serve me even more. We have so many places in eternity to serve, but your word says in that city, his servants will see his face and serve him. That's the greatest glory given to man on earth. If you overcome, you can serve there, right there where the Lamb has his throne. Father, we just come to you this evening. And I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over each one of those who are hearing. I come against every power of darkness that has taken over areas in our flesh. I command them to leave in Jesus' name. Every demonic entity that was entertained but has been weakened in these 21 days now. Even if you came to the Lord yesterday, it's irrelevant to the Lord. He can set you free today. So command everything that is not of God to leave in Jesus' name. Bind every unclean spirit and cast it out in Jesus' name. You unclean spirits will leave in Jesus' name. Your spirit of pretense will leave in Jesus' name. Speak wholeness into each soul. Your wholeness. Clarity. Clarity. Single-minded. One person, inside and outside. One person. That's what the Lord desires to do in each one of our lives. And I speak that. Let that desire come into each one. I want to be one, one person in Christ Jesus. I don't want to be a Saul. I don't want to be a Saul. I want to be a David. A man after God's own heart. Let there be deliverance in the house of God today. Let there be deliverance in homes today, the pretense will stop between husbands and wives. It will turn and become real. Pretense will stop with the children. You will be real. One thing before your parents and one thing with your friends. It will stop. Just come clean before God. He's not there to chastise us. 
He wants us to be true before him so that he can heal us. Pray, Lord, there will be deliverance in homes, in lives tonight. True deliverance. True deliverance, Lord. A people who will be open before God. They don't have to walk with guilt. Each day, going to the Holy of Holies through the outer courts, living in the reality of their baptism and have offered their bodies on the altar. Each day, going past this. Yes, we sing, take me past the outer courts, but we have to go through it first, Lord, each day. The flesh is totally dethroned, put to death each day. Bind every power of darkness that's activated even now. Angry because people have been set free. I plead the blood of Jesus over God's children who have been delivered in the past days and nights. All his children who are hearing and will hear. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us, we condemn it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. No occult, no witchcraft, no spell will prevail against your people. It will all fall to the ground. And any demonic entity that has been released will go back, right back now to the sender. Every demonic entity sent, doesn't matter how many they are, we send it back to those who send it. It will not come near us. A thousand may fall at one side, ten thousand on the other side, but these arrows of the enemy will not come near us. Not only we are covered by the blood of Jesus, Lord, you said you will be a wall of fire around Zion. And that's my prayer, Lord, around all your children, wherever they are. God, Almighty God, you surround them with their fire, O Lord, your fire. And protect them and keep them. And let them grow in that, Lord. It is your fire that protected Joseph for 13 years. That nothing could harm him. And he grew there. When he came out, he was ready to reign. At 30, he was ready to reign. I pray, Lord, people will come through. And know who they are in Christ Jesus. And they will trample upon snakes and scorpions. They will cast out demons. They will prevail over all the power of the enemy. Because they will allow Christ and Christ alone to live in and through them. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you, Father. We worship you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Now and forevermore. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.